Well, welcome to Winter Retreat. Uh, a little about me. By the, by the way, my name is Ryan Church, uh, one of the pastors on staff at UPC, pastor of the inn for those of you that might be new. A lot of familiar faces here, some new ones as well, which I'm really excited about. But for me, this is the 20th straight year that I've been to the Winter Retreat, dating back to the time that I was an undergrad at the, the University of Washington. And, you know, in, in some ways, when you do something 20 times, anything 20 times, you do something annually 20 times, of course, there can fe- you know, it can feel a bit of a routine, but there is something brand new uh, about this experience for me is that in all those, those 20 years, I have never actually been one of the speakers at the Winter Retreat. And uh, as, as many of you are aware, Janie and I have worked together for over a decade, and so I think... We're really excited about this opportunity to not only be at the Winter Retreat, but to actually have the opportunity to get a little bit of time with you guys in Scripture. So uh, 20 straight uh, Winter Retreats for me, but it actually, uh, this retreat goes back even further than that. This week, some of you may have seen, I, I posted on Facebook about this retreat, trying to say, hey, you know, come in and join us uh, for this thing. And uh, you know, I just posted it uh, to all, you know, out there for all my friends to see. And, and uh, somebody replied inside of a half hour saying, I met my husband at that retreat 30 years ago or whatever. So who knows? That might happen for you this weekend, too. Outlines? Anyone? Oh, wow. Lots of pens. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll actually give you something to take notes on here. Well, as, uh, as Janie throws you the swag, um, many of you know, as, as I've shared at the end, I have uh, three sons, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a 14-month-old. It, it's super fun. My four-year-old is, is just Mr. Personality, and one of my favorite things uh, to do is, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I enjoy with Colin, but uh, a habit that I have that's kind of specifically for Colin is, is if there's, if I hear something that's just kind of out, out of the ordinary, I'll stop and go, hey, Colin, did you hear that? And I'm always interested to, to hear what, what he has to say. You know, we'll hear, we'll hear a thud, you know, upstairs while we're downstairs having breakfast. And I go, Colin, did you hear that? What do you think that was? And, you know, sometimes he'll say, I think that was just Wallace. That's, that's the, the youngest brother. I think it was just Wallace. Other times he'll come up with something, Dad, I think that was the Millennium Falcon. Or, you know, something, something of, of that variety. Hey, Colin, you know what? Did you hear that? What did you hear? Oh, Dad, that's just rain. You know, another time we'll be doing a puzzle or whatever, and, you know, I'll hear something. Colin, did you hear that? Dad, I farted. You know, whatever it might be. <laughs> You know, so, so it's fun to, to just kind of see whatever it is that he might come up with when I say, hey, did you hear that? You know, sometimes you're, you're watching a, a horror flick and you know that, that something is going to happen when somebody stops and says, hey, do you hear that? Of course, you, you didn't hear anything, but it's the marker that something, something else is going to happen. Of course, there can be those times when somebody will walk up to you and say, hey, did you hear about? 
And even as I was pe- preparing for the, this talk, there were two things that, that stuck out in my life that I really remember when somebody walked up with, you know, with an inquiry of, did you hear? One was when I was a high school student. I was walking across our high school gym out there in Port Angeles, Washington, and, and this guy on our, on our basketball team comes out and says, hey, did you, did you hear about the war, the war in Iraq? And it was the day that that Operation Desert Storm uh, started, and I, I hadn't heard. And, of course, that led me to go find out more information and see on the, the television monitors this, that, that first shock and awe campaign, Tracers Every Place, spectacular thing that we saw on television because I first heard about it. Just a few years ago, I was, went to a Mariner game with a group of, of friends. Actually, it's a group of staff. I think uh, Janie and I had this experience together. And uh, after the game, we're, we're riding the bus back up from Safeco Field to the U District. We may have kind of taken a work day to go to the game. But as we're getting off, off the bus, somebody says, did you hear about Michael Jackson? And it was actually the day that, yeah, Michael Jackson and E.T., peace be among them. God rest their souls. Uh, but it was the day that, that Michael Jackson died. And in fact, we had not heard about that yet. And it was, of course, the prompt. Did you hear about this? That you want to go, what happened to this pop icon? One of the, the voices of my childhood uh, was dead. It, it certainly grabbed my attention. Of course, that's somebody walking up to you trying to get your attention and say, did you hear this? You need to find out more. There can be other times where uh, you just happen to be in a place where you, you hear things that, you know, it's questionable as to even if you're supposed to hear them. You know what I'm talking about? Not too long ago, I was sitting in a cafe, you know, with a, with a journal, a Bible, kind of minding my own business, just trying to, to be, you know, uh, there with my own thoughts. And this, uh, bar- this barista and his colleague, they were having a, a conversation, and, and it wasn't a, a heavily populated cafe, and they were having the conversation at, at a volume that it would have been hard to remove yourself from it, okay? And this, this poor guy is pouring his heart out talking about a, a, a recent breakup, and several times in the course of what's being shared, I'm hearing the still small voice say, I don't think you're supposed to be listening to this, but I, I, you couldn't help it. You know, and frankly, it was their fault. They were talking in a volume that was just far too loud uh, for me to, you know, for, for me to, to not ignore it. And as this guy continues to, to pour out his life, at some point, I, I, I just found myself wanting to go give him a hug and say, but Jesus loves you. You're okay, man. You know, but, but I was eavesdropping, right? And honestly, I, I, I couldn't help it. Now, there are times where, you know, maybe I did a little eavesdropping and, uh, you know, it was a little bit more intentional. I have a sister that is 16 months younger than I am. And, you know, of course, growing up and as we got into high school, you know, she had some, you know, pretty, you know, we'll say nice friends that, uh, you know, were roughly my same age and they'd come over to spend some time with my sister, and there was a select few that I was kind of interested to know if they wanted to spend some time with the R. So I, you know, I would find myself kind of walking past the door of the room that they were in, you know, to, to go get a glass of water, you know, and then I'd go back to my room. Oh, gosh, I forgot my snack. 
you know, so I'd go back, you know, grab my snack, you know, go back to the room. Oh, gosh, I got to refill my water, you know. Go back, refill my water, go back to my room, kind of listen in as I go. Are they digging the yard or what? Okay, and finally, I would, you know, I'd finish my snack, finish my water, and as I finished my water, I would put the glass up against the wall, you know, something like that creeper right there, to find out if these girls wanted to spend time with the R, okay? Nothing unintentional about that, okay? Very intentional, uh, and again, looking back on it, hashtag, what was I thinking? I bring up all this to say that as we come to this weekend, it is an invitation to listen. It's an invitation to hear. Dare I say, it's even an invitation to eavesdrop. And as, as I stand up in front of you on 10, after 10 o'clock on a, on a Friday night, I want to, uh, to make a plea to you to do whatever it takes this weekend as you have battled traffic, as I'm sure you have said no to other things in order to be here this weekend, my earnest hope for you is that you will, will listen, not to me, but have an opportunity to hear the words of Scripture, to perhaps hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in a way that you never have. And I share these stories to say, do whatever it takes. If it means, if it means eavesdropping, by all means, eavesdrop. Okay. If it, if it means, you know, finding a different posture in listening, by all means, do that. Do whatever it takes to listen and to listen well this weekend. Because what I think you're going to hear more about, what I hope that you hear more about, is first and foremost, who God is. Second, I hope that you hear more about who you are in light of who God is. And finally, I hope that you hear what Jesus prays for you that it might also shape the way that you, that we might pray. Now, to do that, we are going to take a look at John 17. And in John 17, uh, in, and I hope that, that you brought your Bibles with you. For some of you, those Bibles, the pages that you're going to turn to are going to have lots and lots of red letters. As most of you may be aware in a lot of, of our contemporary New Testaments, when there are red letters, that's an indication that you are reading the words of, of Jesus. And what John 17 is, is, is a prayer. And it's a prayer of Jesus. Now, at risk of a ginormous duh factor on this one, we know that Jesus was a man that prayed. Okay, we hear several times throughout the, the Gospels, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus prayed. But most of the time, when Jesus prayed, it says that Jesus went off by himself. It says that Jesus went to a lonely place. We might hear the words that Jesus said when he would heal someone. You know, and in fact, at one healing, we hear him say, you know, as he casts out a demon, these ones only come out with prayer. And of course, we hear Jesus teach about prayer. But this is the spot 
John 17, where we actually get to listen in, where we get to eavesdrop, where we get to put a glass up to the wall and hear what Jesus prays. It's the longest, uh, the longest prayer of Jesus that we have in all of, of the scriptures. What an opportunity uh, this is. When I was a college student, uh, some of the, the most fun nights that I had was going out and listening to a band uh, downtown Seattle called Hit Explosion. Hit Explosion did covers from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They were just a fantastic party band, fun band to, to go to a club and dance to and just, and just have a good time. Uh, after I graduated, there was a band uh, that would come to town every now and then called Super Diamond. And all they did was Neil Diamond covers, okay? Neil Diamond, I mean, check out the glam, the, the, the hairy chest. I mean, this is, this is glam at its finest, right? And, and just lots of fun songs to sing along with in a cover band. That's kind of what can make going to a cover band uh, a lot of fun. They were also one that I'd go watch downtown. But then there was this other band that I had to go to Everett to see called the Atomic Punks, okay? And the Atomic Punks, all they did were David Lee Roth Van Halen covers, okay? Now, some of you guys might not know who David Lee Roth is, but again, you wanna see some hairy chest, okay? This is the late 70s, early 80s at its finest, and David Lee Roth was an entertainer's entertainer. Uh, You might know him from songs such as Go Ahead, Jump, Jump, okay, now that was kind of his signature move. You know, he could, he could sing and dance and jump, and as he would jump, he would do the splits unlike anybody else uh, I've, I've, ever, I've ever seen. And, and so watching the Atomic Punks was awesome, but honestly, the front man for the Atomic Punks couldn't do this. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm getting at, is, is that so often what we get when we hear the prayers of others is a bit of a cover band. And yet there's nothing, there's really no substitute for the real thing. And the opportunity, the privilege that we get this weekend is to hear the real thing. Uh, To hear what the author of prayer prays. And so I hope that it is an opportunity that you will take um, in earnest to to listen in uh, and eavesdrop and hear what God has to say this weekend. As as we get started on this, it makes sense to me that we should stop uh, and pray before we come to this text. Let's do that together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, would you teach us through what you pray for us? Uh, Would you teach us through the words of your scripture? Would you teach us through these red letters that are right uh, in front of us in scripture? God, open our hearts and minds to receive whatever it is that you have have for us tonight and throughout the weekend, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna read... Uh, through the first few verses of chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. It's on page 841 of my Bible. Don't know what it is in yours. Uh, and I'm going to stop and make comments along the way, but I want to I offer this question for you, okay, to think about as we read through this. 
what does Jesus believe about God? In essence, as we come to a passage in Scripture where we get to read the words, we get to hear the words of Jesus' prayer, pay attention for what you think Jesus believes. What are Jesus' convictions? What are Jesus' hopes as he prays? Okay, after that, because perhaps it's not a way that, that you've ever had that on your mind as you've, as you've read this, to think about, well, geez, what did Jesus believe? It's kind of what I want us to set our minds on tonight as we look at these first six verses. All right, John chapter 17, uh, starting at verse one. It says, after Jesus said this, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stop right there for a second. Um, after, after Jesus said this, um, well, what did he say? If those of you that have Bibles in front of you, you could go back and you could look starting at chapter 13. Starting at chapter 13 begins a 24-hour period of which chapter 17 is the end. So chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are kind of a day, one day in the life of Jesus near the end of his life. So after he did all these things, um, we, we come to this point where he's going to pray. Well, let me give you a sampling of some of the things that Jesus did there. He washed the disciples' feet. And then he said, hey, in the same way that I served you, you should go and do the same. He looks at one of his friends, Peter, and says, hey, man, I know you want to be with me the whole time, but you're not going to be. He begins to tell his disciples, look, I'm not going to be with you a whole bunch longer, but be comforted. He gives them the promise of one who will come alongside them when he's gone. He gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who comes alongside. It is the place where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And for those of you who have been at the end this quarter, it is also the place where Jesus says, what I bring is my peace, and what I leave for you is my peace. And he ends this whole section in, in chapter 16, verse 33, the last verse of, of chapter 16. And he says, I have told you these things so that you may um, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Okay? Sometimes we got to hear the bad news to hear the good news. Jesus is upfront with us about the bad news. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? The bad news followed by the good news. You will have trouble, but take heart, I overcome the world. So sometimes when we see words like after these things, Jesus said this, we need to go back and remember what it is that Jesus said. One day towards the end of his life, serve, stay with me. I'm the way, the truth, the life. You will be comforted and you will have trouble. In light of that, let's continue. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. <laughs> We're not getting too far, are we? Okay, two things here. First, um, the word that's used, I, I'm reading from an NIV right here. 
And it says in my NIV, it uses the word prayed. But I want to stop and alert you to one thing right here. That the word that's used right there is, is the common word in Greek that would just be translated said. Now, I think that's significant for this reason. That Jesus is using common, everyday language in, in this prayer. Okay, I think sometimes there can be, we, we can we can put pressure on ourselves in prayer to think that we have to get the words right, to think that there's a special language that we have to use. And John actually wants to make it clear that uh, because there are words in the New Testament that do indicate um, a special set of words, whether that is prophecy or whether that is speaking in tongues. But right here, he just says, look, this is common everyday language. We know it's a prayer Why? Because of the posture. He looked to heaven and said. So, and and here's what I want to highlight about this, is that here's Jesus, the Lord of the universe. And I mean, I could say it like this, and I'll say it like this just to to wake you up and get your attention. Uh, Jesus isn't a navel gazer, okay? There is this sense in that John lets us know the posture that he looks outward. He's looking outside of himself. He's looking toward God who, uh, let's let's, uh, continue there. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What does Jesus believe about God? What does Jesus believe about the one that he is praying to? Okay, I want to make four very simple observations and then unpack these observations. And really what I'm trying to do is get us started on our weekend by thinking about God and by thinking about Jesus. Trust me, we're going to get to a place where we are thinking about ourselves but I want to start out tonight by really looking at, at God and what does Jesus think about God and how might Jesus lead us in how we think about God and, of course, how we think about Jesus as the Son of God, how we think about Jesus as fully man, fully human, and fully God. Four quick observations. First, Jesus believes in God. Okay, layup, but the second one is that Jesus believes that this God is his father. And as he used common everyday language, Jesus believes that this father hears. And finally, Jesus believes that as this father hears, he cares. And I would tack on, he cares and is able. Jesus believes something. 
He believes something about who this person, this one is that hears him. And that's what I want us to hone in on tonight. Let me, let me go through these and make a few reflections before uh, we sing another song and then we'll, we'll uh, break up into our small groups. First, Jesus believes in God and he believes that this, that this God is his father. When he talks about um, in, in uh, verses, uh, Father, the time has come, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. He is making a statement uh, that is about his relationship with the Father. He's trying to uh, to say that, look, uh, God, this God that he's been talking about a whole bunch over the last twenty four hours, um, does, he, that that he has the type of relationship with this God. Um, that he's been, that he actually has been talking about. Let me try and, let me try and make this easier for you. Jesus is serious about this relationship with God. Now, if I'm one of the disciples and I had been seeing everything that had been happening over the past, not only 24 hours, but really over the past week or really over the past year as I've been getting to know uh, this person, this would be a moment as I, is if I were, were getting to hear this prayer or even hear about this prayer, where I would see, okay, Jesus isn't just blowing sunshine about this God, and he's not just blowing sunshine about him being the son of God. This would be a moment as Jesus turns upward and begins to pray and says, Father, glorify me. We get to see that, wow, he's serious. You know, um, even as we get to um, hear from Brandy and Wayne and laugh a little bit um, as they make their campaign for president of the inn, perhaps some of you watched the GOP debates last night, but no doubt we are in an election year here in the United States. And it is easy to read about some of the things that the candidates are saying, to, to hear the debates and go and hear some of the things that people say and ask yourself, why did they say that? Is there a particular demographic that they are trying to uh, appeal to? Are they trying to pave the way for who their opponent in the other party might be? But often I find myself listening to some of these debates and hearing some of the things that politicians say and wondering, do they really believe that? What I want to offer that we get here in these first six verses is beginning to understand that to the degree that Jesus is making these big claims about himself as things like the way, the truth, and the life, and referring to God as Father, that this just isn't just um, hyperbolic language. This is a moment where we get to see Jesus really believes this. Jesus believes that he is the son of God. And so right off the bat, we begin asking ourselves the same question. Do we come tonight believing that very same thing? 
You know, and I think it's an important question. I know it's one that I'm tempted to just say yes and move on very quickly. Uh, but I think that there's value in, in, remember, in asking ourselves that question and perhaps remembering why we would believe that. And if we don't, why not? What are the obstacles that get in the way? Jesus is serious about this relationship with God. And as we hear him turn to heaven and begin to pray and use everyday language, we see that he's serious. Jesus believes that he is the child of God. And as he prays, he believes that God hears the prayer. He petitions. He asks his father for a favor. Glorify, glorify me. Give them eternal life. Now, what's interesting to me is that as we look at this prayer, I want to I point this out to you because it's something that I'm not sure I caught before I was preparing for this weekend. That if Jesus is the son of God, fully human and fully God, and that mystery that, that is hard to explain, and he is speaking, he's praying. And as we'll see throughout the weekend, he will intercede for his disciples. He will intercede for the world and by extension, interceding for us. He prays for us. Okay, so God prays for us. God revealed in Jesus prays for us. And yet there is this father who is, as Jesus prays, is hearing. I think it's, it's amazing that the God that is speaking is the God that is hearing. And what I want to alert us to tonight is that Jesus believes that as he speaks, his father hears. Do you sit here tonight believing that God is a God that hears? I make a big deal about Jesus using plain language because for me, that is a key moment of moving prayer from a mere abstraction to understanding prayer as intimate. I don't have to impress anybody with my language. I can just be straight up and say, here is what I desire. Trusting that God hears. Uh, as you heard Katie and Emily uh, share already throughout the weekend, you're going to get a chance to hear from uh, more of your peers, from other of our student interns, about that moment that Jesus became real to them. I'm excited to continue hearing some of these stories. I want to share with you a moment uh, tonight um, where, where prayer really became real for me, where I began to understand that God hears and that God makes good on promises. It was, uh, perhaps it was before this, but the, the time that I most remember, that I can put my finger on, it's actually my senior year of college, and it actually began right here in this very room, where there began to be this nudge for me to go on a mission trip, to go and do this two-month thing that at UMIN we call it World Deputation. And as I began to talk about it and had people say, hey, why don't you pray about this? 
I would pray about it. And to be honest, from the starting place, it was not something that I would say I really wanted to do. I had a lot of really good excuses as to why I shouldn't go. The one that I was counting on most was going to talk with uh, my, my boss at an internship I had with the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, kind of the deal that I made with God was, hey, if, if he isn't going to give me my job back after deputation, then I don't have to do this, right? Okay, I was trying to do all this stuff to kind of bargain with God that I could kind of get my way. Well, in this particular circumstance, as I talked with, with my boss, he said, wow, that sounds like a great opportunity. Um, why don't you go and give me a call when you get back and we'll get you back in the rotation here. You've still got a job for sure. It's like, come on. I was doing everything I could to try and scratch God out of the picture. And, and no matter what I would try to do to try and find an excuse to not go, there was never any clarity. There was never any peace about it. And it was as if God was kind of right in my face and I was trying to, to, to push things aside. And what was amazing is that, is that I began to say, okay, I trust this God. I trust that this is a God that knows me and that hears me. That all of a sudden it was as if, as, as if God who was in my face and it was, it was blurry and confusing was then alongside me. It was a moment for me of discovering that God hears prayer in the same way that I believe that Jesus, as he prayed, believed that God could hear him as he begins to ask some particular things shortly before he would die. Finally, Jesus believes that God not only hears, but God cares and that he's able. What do you believe about a God that hears your prayers? Did you notice as I read how many times Jesus used the word given? You have given me these people. You are the one that grants eternal life. It alerts me to saying this, that Jesus believes that God cares. God is primarily a giver, a giver of life. And Jesus throws on and says, a giver of eternal life. I think what this moves us to ask is, do we believe in a good God? Do we believe in a father that desires to give good gifts to his children? Do you believe when we ask this question, when we, when we say that, that Jesus believes in a God that cares, do you believe that God cares? Or do you believe that somehow God has a prayer capacity? No doubt this has been something that I have struggled with in my own life, that there have been things that I want to pray for, but find myself judging my own prayers. You know what I'm saying? Going, oh, God, God has bigger fish to fry than this. God, surely God cannot care about my, my upcoming midterm. And what I've come to discover, and I really believe this, you know, being on the side of 40 that I am, 
is that God is more eager to answer our prayers than we are to ask. So why don't we just ask? Well, usually the reason we don't ask is because we don't believe that God cares or is able. As I meet with students, and even as I think about my own kids and, and think about my own life, but certainly in my interaction with college students over the years, it seems that one of the, the big questions that I inevitably start talking about is the question, what am I supposed to do with my life? Okay, it's a question that, I mean, I see people nod even as I, even as I bring it up here. And what's amazing is that as I sit with students and as I listen and hear different options and opportunities, and then as I pray for you, I am absolutely convinced as I pray that God would come alongside and guide and empower you and and release energy and creativity to go and do any number of, of things, I genuinely find myself praying for college students going, this is easy for God. This is easy for God to do for you. This is not hard for God because God is a God who cares and who is able. How do I know this? Because the one who is speaking this prayer is a one who is one who over the last 24 hours has, has with words and actions over and over again demonstrated that he is willing to do whatever it takes to rescue his friends, to rescue you. He is willing to go to the cross. He's preparing to do that. Why? Because he believes, A, that his people are worth it. Those that the Father had given to him are worth it. And he trusts his Father who is able with his power and by the power of the Holy Spirit to raise him from even death. That's who we're talking about here. The one who hears has the power to say that does not win. Death does not win. Your sin does not win. The, thing, the obstacles in your life do not win. And so we start this weekend by asking, what do you believe about God? Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God hears you? Do you believe that God cares? There's a lot of legitimate reasons, a lot of legitimate obstacles that keep us from that. But what I want you to hear tonight is that Jesus prays and he prays with a sense of God. He believes in a God, his father, who hears and who is able, who cares, who gives, and who is dying to give to you. Let's continue on this journey uh, together this weekend. Let's pray as uh, we we sing one more song. God, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you hear us even now. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you speak. And dare I say thank you even more that you listen and you hear uh, the desires of our hearts and that you are willing to respond. God, be with us and be enthroned on the praises of your people and be with us as we uh, continue to get to know each other.
and talk about you in our groups. Let me pray this in Jesus' name.